Julio, thank you so much for joining no, no me. Problem, man. Uh, um, you know, we know each other for a long time, but uh, yeah, I want to yeah. I want to quickly uh, let you know what this is all about. I'm starting this little online conversation. It's called Straight Handball Talk. Okay. And, and it is a conversation between two people who at times either were uh, uh, teammates, partners, fans, or most likely competitors. Right. Uh, but ultimately, we were connected uh, thanks to the Olympic uh, sport of handball, right, basically right. for life. And yes. that to me, um, being an amateur and being someone who runs a handball club and deals with uh, many people from around the world is the priceless reward that we receive from this sport in this country because we are not professionals, we're not making a living, but the passion we have, uh, uh, it's, it's just connecting with as many people as possible. And to me, that is the greatest reward. So that's, that's what this is all about. It is a conversation. I mean, you can freely ask questions. Uh, any right. question is uh, open. Any controversial topic is open. Anything we want to speak about, we should be able to speak about because those are the people that I choose because I, I choose people who do not have to be politically correct or do not need right. to hide anything. Just be open what we feel about everything. Perfect. Do you have a lot of noise in the background? It's raining really hard. Or I, I just hear drips, but that's... Okay, perfect. So you can hear me well. Oh, I, can, I can hear you perfectly well. So now... That's good. Now that I explained what that is, I just want to share with people that don't know you. I mean, everyone in the U.S. probably know you, but those who don't know you, I'm going to give a quick background on that uh, you are, Julio is born in, in uh, Cuba, uh, moved to USA. Now he's a, a U.S. citizen. At You're 45 years old? Are you 45? Yeah, yeah. just turned 45. At 45, you have a really great international coaching career with over 100 international matches being in charge of uh, not only the USA men's program, but women's as well and juniors as well. But also you coach the Puerto Rican women's national team and both Colombian men's and women's national team. And you also had a collaboration with the Costa Rican women's national team and, yes, of sir. course, American Samoan junior national teams as well. Now, those, yes. that's, that's on the national team uh, a part of it. But you also coached LA Handball Club at the U.S. Uh, Nationals, was it 2013 in Minneapolis, I think, or 2012? No, I, I, I coached uh, L.A. Uh, from 2012 to 2014. Uh, 2012 to 2014, yeah. so yeah. And um, uh, you were also the coach of, or still are the coach of uh, uh, Rogue Club. And yes. So those are the, the, the whole things that you've done. You're also... Uh, a part of the IHF coaching program. You work closely with the IHF to advance handball around the world. And God damn, man, you have a full of energy and, and undying un, uh, love for the game. And more importantly to me, uh, you have complete dedication to the sport. And as I know you, uh, you have never said no to any commitment. Uh, you have uh, uh, left your work behind, the one that pays the bills. Uh, you have a great relationship with your wife that you can travel the world, but dedication is, is, in, is what we need from people to push the sport aside. But my first question to you is, doing all this stuff, when did you fall in love with a game for the first time? You know what? It's my, my story with the handball is very interesting. So it was, I, I can pinpoint exactly when it was because it was in 1986 right after the, uh, the world championship, the, the soccer, the FIFA World Cup. 
uh, it was the first time that I saw um, um, a, a full uh, soccer match. Imagine this, I'm already like, what? Uh, uh, I was like eight years old, almost 11 years old, nine years old, something like that. And, um, and um, I never seen a, a full uh, soccer match because in Cuba we have baseball and basketball and volleyball and handball, yeah. but soccer wasn't the great, the great, the greatest sport, right? So we all wanted to be like Maradona. So <laughs> you know, it was a the year that you know Argentina won the World Cup in yeah. Mexico. It was in, it was uh, actually in, in Spanish. I remember all of us like wanted to be soccer players. So. Guess what? There's no soccer court in my in my hometown, but we found a handball court, and um, and we actually started playing uh, soccer in the in the handball court, not knowing what was this what this was for and anything. Yeah. And the the coach was very smart. He came to us and said, "You know, we sneak into the we snuck into the uh, yeah. inside the court, right? So we, we, you cannot play soccer here." Um, but if you want to play soccer, you have to come and try handball in the morning. So I'll let you play soccer after school, but you have to come and play handball in the morning. And we say, okay, well, just go. And uh, we showed up to the practice and we started playing. Some of some of us picked up the sport and 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 some of us, you know, faded away. Um, I, I faded. I, I I was one of those who kept uh, competing at at, at the at decent level over there in Cuba, um, up until I 1995 when I was, you know, um, you know when I came. Yeah. I, I competed at the uh, junior level and uh, university level, the college level, um, and then um, I came over here and it faded away for many years. And then I picked up again in 2008 with, with uh, Santa Clarita at the time. Yeah. And then uh, eventually I, I, um, I started coaching. And I always, people ask me, well, how do you start coaching? And I'm like, well, I started coaching by accident because I broke my leg in the tournament in, in, um, at the Falcon Cup in Colorado Springs playing yeah. against uh, – um, playing against uh, – uh, West Point, I, 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 I fractured my fibula Ooh. and it was, it happens to be the, the, the year that LA was a national champion for the first time. So it was in Vegas. I ended up going and I started uh, coaching the, uh, the second team. Yeah. And, um, and then from that, I said, no, this is what I want to do. And I started my career as a, my development first, you know, I yes. started developing because, um, I mean, I cannot say that I that I became a coach overnight. I I, I think I have well, it's almost a, a twelve years, <laughs> twelve years of development. You know, um, from the from the bottom to to the uh, to the top, and part of it is because I wasn't I wasn't a, the greatest uh, humble player either. You know what I mean? Like, so I became a student of the game, yeah, rather than 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 someone who was actually high performance athlete that immediately have the advantage of, you know, becoming a, a, a good coach, you know, uh, so I, I have to put the extra effort in becoming um, um, a good coach because I need to project not only, uh, um, you know, confidence as a coach, 
because I couldn't to a certain point uh, prove it as an athlete because I was no longer an athlete around that time, you know? Yeah. But I knew enough, I knew enough of, of Hamble to give me the platform to, you know, begin as an intermediate coach rather than a, a beginning, you know, uh, uh, coach. So that was the advantage that my Hamble career helped me to, um, to um, be an intermediate coach rather than a beginner's coach, you yeah. know what I mean? But that's how handball started for me. Then I competed in Cuba. You know, I, I, if, I, if I start uh, uh, name dropping, you're not gonna believe that some of these guys who became really um, good players in Europe were yeah. either teammates or were, you know, uh, people that, that, that we met in the club, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's how, how so, that's my story in a nutshell, you know. So, so the guy, that guy who, the smart guy who told you that, oh, you can play soccer, but you have to come to handball. Do you know who he is? Do you, are you? Oh yes, yes, yes. Unfortunately, um, he passed away. Um, he passed away a few years ago, uh, but his name was Raúl Osborne, and he was actually a, he he played for the Cuban national team as well. Um, amazing left back player. Uh, he was the coach of my uh, my hometown club. Yeah, I think those those people. I mean, I have sort of the same experience where you have someone just like, oh, come on, try it. You know, you can continue playing all the other sports, no problem. Just join us one time. And then you know, I joined, and then the first day they give you uh, warm up suits. They take you for lunch, which no other sport ever did that for for us. Uh, they bring you into to this only if you're a handball player and you you you've been through all these parts communities of handball you know what it is you immediately become a part of this little family and they right. welcome you and of course then like any sport some people like it some people don't for some people it's too rough for some people it just feels a perfect elevation from basketball or or other sports where they need a little bit more uh, contact. So right. I think people who are able to um, intrigue those who love other sports and are more familiar with other sports, those are the people that are heroes to me. And we right. all have those. Whoever stuck with a sport, I think, has one that really triggered their, their passion. And it's funny because it's funny you say that because, you know, I was, I was actually my, my, my first sport, the, the sport that I practiced that was serious was judo. So I was a decent judo uh, fighter, uh, player, athlete, right? And then my dad was actually a baseball coach and a volleyball coach. So uh, I show up home and said, well, I, I'm going to be a soccer player. Uh, and they were like, what? What sport is that? Football. Yeah, the, you want to be a football player. Okay. And then uh, when they thought that they, have com that they actually convinced me, you know, <laughs> to play, to stick to what I was good enough, they're like, well – Actually, I think I want to play handball, and they're like, "What?" It's like they were like, "I offer like a full uh, change of uh, a sport," and I was very consistent. Actually, I, I think handball was. I still did a lot of judo, and you know, and and I played basketball as well, and a little yeah. bit of baseball. But my sport, the sport that I competed, that I was part of the uh, the the you know the, the province state team yeah. and competed at state level and, and you know a national level was actually handball and then when I went to when I went to college I stick to handball too I could have played you know I could have done everything judo or but I still uh, you know uh, stuck to to playing handball so 
Well, you know. I think, I mean, I'm sure you, you know that you made the right decision for many reasons. And one right. of them is that for the first time in what, over 30 years, a junior national team of USA qualified to the world championships. And you basically are part of history making. Uh, yes. You and all those boys and everyone involved. Uh, you also went to my hometown in Pristina, Kosovo, where the championship was. Yes. Uh, so tell me, how, how was it uh, leading those young boys into this battle? Because uh, for them, it must be something, you know, if you tell them that they're the first ones in so many decades to be there and, and just, it must be exciting. It must be exciting for you too. You know, yes, and, and, and I'm glad that you that you that you're bringing this to to the table uh, because, you know, it, it's funny. I I, I remember um, Christian and Robert both calling me and they're like, "Hey, it's Pan American Games going on, and and you know, what's the plan?" And I didn't think it twice. I was like, you know, I I I, I want to go to World Championship. I already been into World Championship with Puerto Rico, so yeah. I know I know. I know that this is exactly where, where I want to be, right? Um, and then uh, when we qualify, uh, by the way, yeah, Kosovo and Pristina and, and, and the, you know, Kosovo and the Kosovo uh, Handball Federation, I, I, all, I, all I can say is good things about these people. In fact, we, we're still friends, you know, <laughs> social, social media friends, but I, uh, uh, you know, once in a while, you know, we all talk and how's it, how things are going. And, you know, I, I mean, I think you play a, a fundamental part in that as well, because Kosovo was for us the, uh, the, the, the preparation tournament leading to world championships. Okay. So having the, uh, the, the right setting, the right mentality, the right, you know, group of people, uh, two or three months before the, uh, the tournament was actually uh, a test to what we were going to be doing. So every time, everything starts in Kosovo. You know, that's when we started building the team. You know, um, as, you can, as you can imagine, this, is, this was a team that was very eclectic. We have players from all over the, um, the, uh, the world, the spectrum, even uh, some of them were from the U.S., which I feel that I was actually – I was biggest uh, achievement that not only we relate relate on on the athletes uh, from that were coming from humble countries, but some of the athletes from our own uh, programs here that that were successful during World Championship. I mean, a clear example is Aaron Ham yeah. from uh, um, University of North Carolina, who became you know kind of like the uh, star of the uh, of the uh, the tournament. Uh, even though that the kid had played handball for like approximately 18 months, you know what I mean? And to be honest, no disrespect to, uh, to the University of North Carolina, uh, he became organized when he actually started, uh, you know, working with us in, in, in 2018. Yeah. So Kosovo was like the platform to, to the world championship and everything started there. Um, eclectic team, with little to no uh, time to work with them, so a lot of the uh, the the um, the success was based on 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 the perform performance formula. You know, we, I was very clear in what I wanted with them. I was very clear and cut, um, creating a philosophy or creating a, an approach to what we were gonna do, 
we created a game plan and we just adjust adapted that game plan, that playbook to everything yeah. that uh, came ahead of us. The, the, uh, when I gave my first interview, uh, I told, I told uh, a, a newspaper in Spain that we, weren't, we went to compete at World Championship. We were not going to be a sparing for anybody, okay? We were not going. We were not going to go to um, uh, to just be blown off by every single team by 20 or 25 because I believe that was the expectation. You said, you know, first time in 30 years they're coming back, um, little to no preparation. We only have like seven days in Portugal and and two preparation games, uh, but we have actually started the process of building this philosophy in Kosovo. So everything that happened in Kosovo. Then it was transplanted to uh, Portugal, and then obviously moved to uh, to Spain. And we implemented, we brought some new talent that we, uh, along the lines, decided to bring. Uh, but the foundation of the team was already established in 2018. Yeah, yeah. You know, so the philosophy of that we really wanted to go to World Championship to compete was actually what what that was the driving force. And if you look at all the games, except the games, obviously, um, uh, against Slovenia, um, every other game that we lost, we, we competed, you know, even, even at the, uh, we, so not only, not only we, we, it was the first time in 30 years, but we actually had the opening match against Spain, you know, uh, some of these kids had never actually seen a full Humboldt stadium. Yeah. Okay. So we are here at, opening game against Spain and uh, we were able to compete at a certain point against Spain. I mean, when you know, when, when you have a, 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 the defending world champions uh, uh, calling a timeout because they're not, they're, they're, they're out of the sudden we're, we're picking up. Yeah. Um, um, you realize that, uh, you know, well, 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 we're competing. Yes. The numbers didn't reflect that, you know, the numbers sometimes are, they're, they're cruel. Um, but it, there were there were times against uh, you know um, at Spain that were did did really well, and then the game against Tunisia. <clears throat> sorry, the game against Japan, um, even the game against Argentina. So we started our preparation against Argentina, yeah. and we lost by fourteen. Okay, in Portugal, and and we and we got to a point where where we are almost beating Argentina uh, in the. In, the final placement match for us. So at the level that we were, uh, we picked right where we needed to actually pick, which was at the last game. If we would have been uh, friends or Croatia, we would have been actually in the, in the, uh, in the final game yeah. uh, picking. So that means that the preparation was actually done well, where, you know, um, uh, everything that we done was actually uh, prepared to, for the team to play their best uh, game on the last match. Which was again against Argentina. At the end, I think we lost by three or something like that. But uh, uh, we competed against a, a, a program that has been competing, you know, yeah. uh, forever. That has almost like three months of preparation in in, in Europe. And um, and like I said, the the uh, the uh, performance of each one of the team members was actually, um, you know it was uh, consistent. So we were really happy. I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of those kids. It, um, it, is, um, it is a shame that 
because Pan American Games kind of like occur on the same time, the emphasis was actually on, on, on the senior national teams competing in, in Pan American Games. But I, I think that these kids, they, and some of them were not even juniors. Some yeah. of them are, they can compete again in the junior yeah. category. Some of them were, were youth. Um, cannot complain about the, uh, the, their performance either because of, of, of what they did. But well, I, think, I think in general, to me, these kids having the opportunity to play in the world championships is, is huge to begin with. And secondly, um, it just puts that bug in them to start preparing or at least thinking to fight for a position for that 2025, 2027 senior national team. So in your opinion, from those guys that you had, the young crew, uh, do you think any, any of them will have a chance to compete for that spot? Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely, the goalies are are solid. Um, there were some players in that in that uh, you know group that you know um, definitely have the potential. The problem is, and you know, and you know, that's the uh, the dichotomy of youth junior categories and then aging out. Yeah. You know, we have a lot of really good players that are uh, fantastic players in those categories, but then there is not enough. For, for the senior national team because of the level of competition, because of the anthropometry, because of a lot of factors that, that um, you know, are in, in, in place, the complicating factors, I call them the complicating factors. But I feel that uh, some of them, you know, definitely will go all the way through, through the Olympic games, you know. Um, uh, I, I cannot guarantee you that the entire team will be there yeah. But there are certain no, the certain names that I don't want to you know because it's also my opinion and um, and at the end of the day the, it's the selection committee and it's also Robert's decision if he remains in charge. Yeah. But I feel that some of them have the uh, the the talent to to at least be considered. You know. What What do you think? Uh, uh, these guys who who play handball obviously and they will be dedicated to handball have a better chance or let's say a a superstar from a football team that didn't make him a football team, super talented, like a Westbrook, LeBron James uh, quality, decides to join two or three years before the Olympics and says, oh yeah, I'm going to get that spot. What happened to these kids who have been training for 15 years and competing world championship? Who do you think realistically ha has a better opportunity to dream and, and go for those spots? Well... Look, in a perfect world, in a perfect world, um, what we need to do is actually recruit those those uh, uh, LeBron James-like athletes um, from the from the very beginning and, and, and teach them how to, to to love the sport and 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 and, and, um, and develop as a humble player. I. I, I think it's a very unfair situation. Um, I mean, I think there's a slim possibility that that might happen, you know, uh, that you can find someone with that profile that can pick the game immediately. Uh, as such, um, you know, late, late stage of his life. Yeah. Uh, and maybe it's not gonna look you know, as with the finesse of a Swedish yeah. or, or, or a French handball player, it's going to put the ball in the back of the net and maybe you can have two or three yeah. with that uh, profile, you know, 
uh, in the team. I can use the parallel of the junior national team. You know, we have a couple of players like that, that uh, they did the job. Yeah. You know, yes, they didn't have the technical development of those who started when they, they started. Um, and um, and they, do the, they did the job. I mean, you have the, the clear example right now of Drew yeah. and Ademar Leon, you know, Drew is, uh, he's um, uh, still developing, even though that he's uh, uh, a guy who's uh, um, started the sport, not at the earliest stages. He started when he was in college, but good enough to actually be, you know, um, playing at that level. So if you send me four, if you, four, if you send four Drews my way, I'm going to make sure that I actually work on those Drews. You know what I mean? Well, lucky, lucky Drew has been trained by the military. <laughs> right. But, but would, it, it, would it be fair to believe that if we find four football players that didn't make the cut, that they're going to become humble players tomorrow and they're going to, you know, uh, be the solution? I don't think so. It's like the same thing asking Nikola Karabatic yeah. to play basketball in the NBA. I think he will be play. He will be decent. Uh, what? But him, is he, him in the NBA? You know, no, you just want to say the word the parallel of, of asking Nikola Karabatic or Mikkel Hansen yeah, yeah, to play uh, uh, basketball, you know what I mean? Yeah. In, in, to, in a year, be ready to play. No, yeah, I know what you mean. I know the comparison. Or, or asking Messi to be now the southern left wing in the, in the U.S. national team. You know what I mean? <laughs> that, yeah, uh, maybe, I don't know. It's, it's a very difficult, um, um, you know, situation. I believe... Uh, in my professional opinion, um, because we have an inverted pyramid of development, there has to be, um, uh, at this point in where we are in the U.S., we need to have, find a, it's a balancing act. We, we cannot neglect the, uh, those who are in the cusp, okay? But we cannot neglect the foundation either. Yeah. So it has to be like a sandwiching process where we continue to develop people on the, on, on the foundation so they can actually get to the top as well. Yeah. But hoping that you're going to just get uh, fantastic athletes and turn them into humble players in two years, um, I don't think it's going to be the, uh, the, uh, the solution. Um, but, you know, um, yeah, it's there good. might be people. Yeah, very, very challenging. Uh, it's, it's good to think that way because it's exciting to imagine it. Start conversation, but in realistic terms, to become a really good, effective uh, team player in a handball court against really good teams. Uh, it's, I think it's impossible. You might get one to do certain things for, for those fakes or, or jump high and shoot high, but those are very little tiny details in the game, which uh, you rather, I rather have someone who is trained with a culture of handball and what needs to be done throughout the 60 minutes. You know, it's funny that you said that because you know, I just I just had a, a presentation about um, I, I did a presentation about the the the, the use of the pivot you know, or, the, or the position of, of the pivot in, in in modern handball in contemporary handball, because you know um, there was that misconception or still there's like that philosophical thing where you know uh, pivots and goalies are still like the specialized players in the club and you know that you still have to have some individualized you know work with them. And the question that I threw out there was like, well, is the pivot a position or is a player? And, and if you look at the modern, at the modern pivot today, like, you know, like um, the, the Haiti Lowe's, the uh, Esteban Salinas, you know, like uh, the, the uh, Serjanos, all these, uh, Aguinagaldes, all these 
top players, uh, Danny Schneider from the whole, uh, Netherlands, um, uh, Ksenia Kamayeva from Russia, you know, uh, Tamir Slima from Brazil, all these uh, uh, sophisticated, you know, uh, uh, pivots that we have right now, they are multidimensional. Yeah. They are not just the big guy because that's what happens. You find a guy who meets uh, seven foot tall and have no coordination, no store, put him in the pivot, yeah. okay? And, um, and nowadays, you cannot even do that anymore because the pivot players, they have, they're, they're, they have so many dimensions that even the idea of getting the players, the tall players to put it in the pivot, uh, it's, it's not, it might not work anymore. You know, you need to have someone who is able to actually have multi-dimensional resections, is able to fragment the defense, you know, to be part of the positional uh, uh, play, you know, to transform to a backcourt position if needed. You know, it, it's, it's no longer body. There's, there's something, there's something uh, uh, important about the anthropometries anthropo in, 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 in general. You cannot teach a, a short guy to grow, okay? But you can teach a, a big guy to play. The problem is um, you cannot teach a 47-year-old guy that is six foot tall to play, you know, a year before a world championship. You yeah. know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, like now that you mentioned the pivots, <laughs> I think, Pivot is crucial, critical, and it's not – every time I play my, with my pivots, they're never one-dimensional. They can do everything and anything, and they – obviously successful ones are the some of the smartest players because they're the ones that create all the space you need for the other guys. And But anyway, so uh, – anyway, one quick, quick question. Do you like coaching national national teams more or club teams? Uh, I, 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 I um, obviously, you know, once you reach a level of, of, of understanding of the game and, 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 and you, you, you reach a level of, of, uh, of expectations, you know, obviously the most sophisticated uh, tactic approach, the most sophisticated tactics and, and approaches to the game and all that, you're probably going to get it at a national team level. Uh, the competition level is higher. It's, it's more interesting as a coach, but I, I love coaching clubs. Um, I, 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 I coach LA for a while, um, but I, there was a, there was a, I did everything that I could for LA. You know, I, I led them to three finals and I lost them all. So, you know, two, three, in the, three elite, did, uh, was, it, was it two or three? I think well, I, 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 led them, I led them to two uh, uh, finals in the elite division when LA was actually doing, you know, um, because um, LA won the national championship and then went down a little bit and then we picked up again and um, and we competed at the elite. Uh, I remember that 2000, was it 2014? We were, uh, we were dominant. We, we, uh, it was a year that we had the league here in the Western Conference. We went up to the final of, of the, uh, the elite division. I think it was against you guys uh, or NIAC. And we had at that point 18-0. Um, uh, we have not lost the game that season. And I think that it was 2014 in York. And I think that's when I said, well, I've done my job with this team. I, as a coach, you know, you, you led them to, to finals. And if you don't win them, you need to step out. And, you know, you have the talent. It's obviously, you know, perhaps my, 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 uh, my time to, to uh, let someone else take over. Um, and, um, and then after that, it didn't make sense for me to, to coach 
men because I was working with women. You know yeah. what I mean? So um, it was like kind of weird. You know, I, I'm working with the women national team, but I'm coaching a, a um, you know, a, a, a women's team. And this is why kind of like we kind of like shift the gear to road. And now I'm with men. It's the other <laughs> way around. So, but I do work, um, you know, coaching clubs. I mean, in fact, I have had opportunities to actually coach overseas. Um, um, but I obviously, you know, I have not uh, capitalized on them. But uh, I, I feel that at a certain point, I, I will want to, to um, coach a club that has a serious uh, uh, project, even here in the U.S. or anywhere, you know. Uh, right now, um, um, I, I, I don't think... I don't think I I have been approached, or I don't think that there's actually an opportunity for me to uh, to coach um, seriously um, um, a, a club here in, in the U.S. Other than that, yeah. what we're doing with Road, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's obviously where none of the clubs are in that level of seriousness to do anything with coaches or full-time coaches. Uh, obviously, that's a tough one. But I I want to go back to our. I think the first time, I mean, that's the first time that you and I met was in Minneapolis. Uh, or we met before that, but Minneapolis was the first time we became competitors because you were coaching right. the team. And you were in our, our group, and I believe so, you were in our group. And then we met in the finals as well. Right, right. I, I, I remember that time. And, um, of course, we won because we had a better team. Uh, but you you were trying. I, I You were in, in a part of a documentary that we have, and you were there trying to pick up your guys and like just come on play and you have a few Brazilian guys in your team. Um, what do you remember from that finals? Because it was 25-20 for us uh, ultimately at the end. It, 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 it was actually, this is a very interesting, uh, um, uh, it was my first final on the elite. Okay. But you had so good have players. Work. You also had Armenian. I forgot. Yeah. Well, well that, that was actually, uh, so Armour Americanian, which is for me one of the best, if it was not the best, you know, one of the best players that we ever had play here in the, in, in the U.S. You know, um, fantastic player, multidimensional. You know, he was actually a wing player and yep. could play every single position in the court. Um, a fantastic defender, you know, overall, well, two times uh, best Asian player of the world, uh, you know, yeah. whatever, of the year, sorry. So I remember uh, it, it was when Georgie started playing for you guys. So Georgie was in shape. He was sharp. He was actually, he was actually, uh, uh, you know, top, top condition. I think it was the first or the second year that uh, Georgie started playing uh, uh, with you, right? Uh, and I, and I, third, yeah, third year. He was, something like that. What year was Minneapolis? Was it 2012 or 13? No, 2012. It was 2012? Yeah, so that's yeah. his second year then, yes. So, Georgie was like, uh, uh, it was kind of like the new kid on the block, okay? Yeah. He was fantastic, he was fast. I mean, he's still an amazing player, but, you know, it, it was like right after he came from that, I guess, level of playing. And, yeah. and I remember that, you know, Armand playing, Armand playing the left back, I say, Armand, there, there's no way that we can, that we can actually compete with him. Uh, but I want you to actually start, you know, uh, cutting him on the fast break because his skill is on the, on the fast break. And Georgie being as smart as he is, you know, go, they go on a fast break. He comes out to actually, you know, um, um, uh, cutting. Um, 
and he Georgie Georgie actually uh, gets the foul. He gets the two minutes. All right. Yeah. And I remember him coming out and telling that's a trap. Okay. So you gotta be you get smart. He's 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 trapping you into doing this this. Okay. This this situation. He's he's smart. And you know you know that these are the type of things you do when you play the wing. He's like yeah you're right. So you know you are you're a wing player. Maybe like, I think I, I would never forget this. Minute 13, minute 13 on the first half, second play. That's it. I mean, exact same situation. Georgie does the same thing. Uh, I cannot even say that it was a bad call because it was a real referee who was actually refereeing yeah. the game. It was actually, uh, uh, later on, he became a um, um, an IHF uh, referee. Um, um, same situation. Armand follows him, so he gets a red card. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, it was just, it was just a uphill battle. You know, I, I think we competed well. We tactically tried to overcome the fact that we didn't have Armand playing for us uh, because we did, depended a lot on Armand. I mean, you know, I'm not gonna lie to you. It was yeah. it was a handicap. Uh, and um, he got the red card, and you got Beatles, and uh, it was it was a first shake. You you it was, still was a good game, but uh, the truth is uh, that that New York team was the best team that I you know that I ever competed here in the in 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 the U.S. Uh, the 2012-2011-2012 New York team was fantastic. I mean, Blady was in top shape. You know, you were playing fantastic, uh, Georgie. We um, you know. Um, the goalie, what's his name? Um, Ivan, Ivan Martin. Ivan, Ivan was playing fantastic. You know, you had, you had Sayeta, at his at the best time of his of his uh, career. You know, it, it, it was uh, it was a fantastic, um, um, you know, uh, team, um, and it was fun to compete against you. And I remember, I think the following year, or, or, or right after the year that uh, that I quit um, playing with, uh, you know. Um, Coaching LA, I told you in, in in the nationals that every single team should have uh, should emulate what you guys were doing, you know. And I disagree with you. Perhaps we 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 don't have money to pay a coach, but uh, there are teams out there like yours, for example, who are doing a serious. Uh, it's a serious team. It's a serious project, you know. Um, it's a team that that if tomorrow we have a uh, a professional league, the infra infrastructure. And the philosophy and, and everything is there for, for you guys to succeed. Well, so, my, I'm, I'm not saying we should not have right coaches in clubs. And I right. know we, we have ours. San Francisco has theirs. Every club has something. And, of course, we need the serious coaches with the right program to instill a, a long-term plan. 100% for it. But the reason why I say it's not doable is there are no, no resources i mean how can you ask for a coach to come in move from somewhere and you cannot afford to pay them you cannot do this this so all of this stuff that we do because obviously we have people with a tremendous uh, knowledge and culture of handball uh, tremendous connections and networks that we have and yes we can build a system that some of us can push it for a long period of time but only because we're here. I mean, uh, right. it's like, I would love to have someone come and take certain things away from many of our teams because we have three men's teams, one women's right. team. And we, if I, if I could have one coach 
to deal with each one of them in a professional way, God, I mean, that, that would be the ultimate of any club. Uh, so quality, but it has to be quality. Right. But even with, that, with, even with all those handicaps, I still feel that, for example, you, now that you mentioned Cal Heat, uh, New York Cal Heat, you know, uh, you guys are still thriving, thriving and striving to have, you know, something that will mimic what you're talking about. You know what I mean? Yeah. At the end of the day, it's still, I still feel that it's a serious process. You know what I mean? Oh, it, absolutely. I mean, I, and for me, it's when I joined, I always said uh, to Richie, I said, look, if I'm going to get involved in a thing, I take things seriously and I'm going to do it right. as, as seriously as 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 quality as I can do it with the resources we have. And I have my, like, this is one of the, the copies that I right. based the club on and also Montpellier as well. I mean, those are the structures of a classic handball school that you can emulate because it is a simple school and it is right. just, you need the commitment of people to do that. I mean, I'm not trying, I can't innovate without resources. I can come up with some ideas, but I just do what I can possibly uh, control right. but anyways it's it's i love i love every club i've always pushed clubs to be more competitive because for us at some point you know you play 20 30 games you lose maybe one if you're lucky by one i mean it's not always fun we always right. wanted that challenge from other teams we always wanted for a club from la to keep on growing what they did and we love what cal heat is doing we love of course nyack uh, that rebuilding the whole, uh, uh, you know, group of guys. So, but we need another six of those teams Yeah, to make yeah. it really serious and to make it more fun. But anyways, that's, that's a men's division, but I'm going to talk to you about, go ahead. You want to say something? No, it, it, and it goes back to, to the question that you asked, you know, if, if do you like coaching uh, clubs? And, and I, I, I would love to coach a club yeah. that has that, mentality you know what i mean but just a pickup a, a pickup uh club you know um um just to go and compete without training and all that you know uh, i wouldn't do it and the only reason why i do it with rogue uh, like that is because um even though that we're physically not training as a club we are individually training you know as a national team player uh because the idea of rogue was always that it was can uh, candidates Past members or current members, so yeah. so we can actually come out with an opportunity to to uh, to compete here in the U.S. for those who were not competing in, in uh, outside the U.S. Um, that were part of the team. But um, um, the mentality of Rogue was that it's a high-performing team. You know, it's like even though that perhaps we don't have a gene and we get together, we're consistently talking video analysis, sending uh, uh, plays, uh, revising everything. Putting everything in the context of the national team, so it's all the work of the national team, you know, transplanted into yeah. into a club. You know what I mean? But you know, glad you brought this up because I was going to bring this one up. Obviously, Rogue is a U.S. national team disguised as a club. You know, most of the girls, most of the girls, at least the the two competition we played against New York that you won both in a tough way, they're national team players. They are the ones, especially at that time, they were traveling, playing serious games, and, you know, they were good. I mean, you guys were, you're good. So I, I do the comparison with my girls. Obviously, they meet once a week if all of them show up. Total amateurs. Uh, but again, they have the culture, they have the, the understanding, and we have a certain system, 
how to play the game. So we go in and we compete. We have great, fantastic games. Now, I am a big fan, big fan of making these competitions. But do you think it's actually okay to have a national team compete as a club in championships? I mean, it, it's to me, I don't care, but I know a lot of people think that is unfair in many ways because, again, the quality of those girls that you had, physical preparation was to my girls, like it was just night and day. Right. Well, you know, I, I, I to be honest, I, I see both, uh, I see both um, um, angles, I see both angles of, of, of the, uh, of the, you know, the controversy. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think if I would have, you know, brought, you know, uh, Carolina Bohr and, and, you know, Nicole Anderson and, you know, and, and um, I don't know, Sophie and all those people who are playing in, in Europe, and I would have brought him over here and said, you know what, you guys are going to be playing for my club right now. I think it would have been a disadvantage for everybody in general. And it will be a big lie for myself. Um, the idea of Rogue, um, um, uh, Bini, and it's, it's, it's good that you, you bring this to, to, the, to, the, um, to the table. Um, it was not to, to create a team that would actually be, uh, that would put everybody in disadvantage, okay? The idea of Rogue actually was, you know, putting a team together that would compete um, in 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 the uh, in the U.S. system, okay? Because these are these were the, the players that some of them were in Auburn, okay, that didn't have any competition. Other, yes, the competition that you're talking about, competing outside the U.S. and all that, but but we didn't have the level of competition that that we had in uh, that the other players had in, in in when they were outside the U.S. So. After the NORCA, we needed to prepare for Pan American game, uh, not Pan American game, Pan American championship and all that. So it was like, well, how, how can we actually compete here? You know, so we can actually have some uh, competition during the downtime. So, well, we need to enter the, uh, the club system. And it was not, I think it would have been unfair if they would have said, you know what, you guys go straight to the national uh, competition. We actually went through the, uh, through the uh, competition system, we competed in, in the Michael Lipoff, yeah. so we could actually uh, enter the uh, the, um, the, comp the the nationals. Um, and yes, were 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 we playing at a different level um, uh, at that moment? Uh, yes, it was. It was kind of like the New York uh, of 2013, where you guys playing at a different level because you know bringing Georgie from playing the Champions League, all of you guys were at a different level. You know what I mean? It's like it is unfair. I think it is unfair to uh, for the athletes who are really uh, trying hard to be the best version of themselves to say, "Oh, because you're too good, you know, you cannot compete here." You know what I mean? So I I can see that it 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 might be not a good source of motivation for for uh, the clubs who are making you know that trying to compete. Yeah. Um, you know. Um, in that trying to make an effort to grow the the uh, the sport in the U.S., but at the end of the day, it's another team. I don't, I don't, I for me, you know, you know what is even worth what I have a problem with, and I'm gonna make a very, I have a problem with having a Canadian team actually coming and competing here and killing us. That for me is even worse. We we you know didn't I mean? let them. We didn't let them. 
None of us led them. <laughs> but, but, but you know what I mean? Is that for me, that's even worse. Like when I say Canadian, I can say Puerto Rican or okay. Greenland or, 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 or Nicaragua. Yeah. I don't care. You know what I mean? Uh, but, but going back to, going back to, to your question, um, do I think it's fair that we put a, a, a club, a national, national um, uh, team players disguised as a club? Um, if you look at the at the team that the first the first final, the one that went to overtime, yeah. uh, there were only four that were actually active members of the national team. The rest were candidates or past members. Okay, so yes, but those four, Gen C, Sarah Gascon, uh, Javi, and yeah. and um, um, uh, Ashley Van Rien, uh and Zoe, you know, yes, the the level of player at uh, the playing was far superior than you know to the rest of the media you know what i mean the average player but um i don't know it's, it's um i know it's, i i, it's, I get what you're saying it's to me obviously i have always supported anyone especially because you guys have gone through the the process of actually being a club and competing in in competition where you earn the eligibility rights to compete perfectly fine i think if any club wants to do that and brings players and they follow that system you are eligible right and it's perfectly right. fine now from my club's perspective where we always try to to bring the best in our people and we want to compete against the best at any given time of course we're going to look at it and say okay well that's a tough team let's see what we can do and we play obviously at any given point we think that we can compete with others and if it happens to lose, no problem. We move on next right. year and see if we can get someone else to help us get better. So I don't mind having Canadian teams coming in. I don't mind having anyone who will bring this level of intensity because right. the only way you're going to start saying like, you know what, screw this. I'm going to get better and I want to beat these guys. And this is a motivation. So from that competitive spirit, I am 100% in, but I know any other percent of people don't like the idea of someone to take the opportunity because, hey, these guys are national team players. They're competing hard and I don't have a chance. Then, well, then you shouldn't be playing in the elite, right? right. Or, so, I, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's you, a, you, I, I, I didn't want, I did, I didn't want to say it. Um, um, no, because, but it's, like it's, because, you know, I, I, I get, I, I, I was also a, a, a club coach, you know, and, and I get it. But it's also unfair, for example, then, you know, it also happened with the men because, you know, Nyack now have like, what, 40% of the guys from, from Auburn are now playing for him. Yeah. You know, uh, a lot of the players who play for Nyack also come from the national team. So it, what, why, why is it okay for men to do that and not okay for women to do it? You know no, what no, I mean? It's perfectly uh, not. I don't think it's anything wrong with it, especially if you're right. competing in the, in the club system. Zero right. problem. Stick to the eligibility rules and you are 100% right to play. And the thing is, I find it to be great for every single club to know like, okay, wow, they're bringing again the national team, but they're competing as a club. So now we need to be prepared for that challenge. So anyone who wants to play at the high level should be able to compete against the top. It, it was not the national team. It, there were certain, well, it, I mean, it's, it philosophically, was, it's philosophically the members of the national team. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Members you know, of the national uh, team. But, uh, because you know the national team, it, it would be really unfair for yeah. anybody. You know, even it, it, that was a year that we finished fifth in, Pan in the Pan American Championship. You know, it was a, a, a fantastic team. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I think the best team that we ever had. 
Uh, we should talk a little bit uh, and, and, and fight about this. You know, that line that the ref called was not a line because that would have been a goal and there would be no overtime. <laughs> you know that, right? Yeah, I actually, uh, it was, you, you scolded me on that. And I, and I, I learned a lesson. You know, I, 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 I agree with you. I mean, uh, it was fun. It was a fun. Part of the uh, game. Uh, it, was, it was a fun. Uh, uh, it was not even the, the goal. It was that what happened was, uh, because you later, later on, I, uh, when I did the analysis, I look at the, uh, the game. Yeah. It was that the, uh, the, uh, the, the referee actually called a, a goal is ball. And the table put it as a goal, yeah. so uh, it was never fixed. No, no, no. It was it, never fixed. And, it's, and but uh, bottom line is this: you want me, you want me to, you you want me to be honest about about this this game. I just what it never what it should have never happened was for a, a a player with so much international experience to lose a ball. <laughs> To start driving the ball halfway to the court, you know, with three seconds on the on the clock, and allow the uh, the uh, the, uh, the the player from from New York to tie that game. That's where it became a problem. Yeah. You know, well, if we want to talk about national team, <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone learned something from that game, and I think these are the moments for all the players involved. And and obviously, you and the team broke brought another level of intensity in the national championships. And obviously my girls, I'm always proud of them a lot more than our guys, because with our guys, um, you know, there's nothing but winning for us. And everyone has a right. mindset. And our girls have done this for the last five years, always one step closer, always one step closer. And finally last year, you guys were not there, but they were really prepared. I mean, they really took it seriously, thinking that you're going to be there. Um, so they, they were training hard and they got to nationals. And then, of course, they won the nationals. And I was so happy and proud of what they did because it was a long process. It was right. four years of them dedicating their time and passion to achieve something that comes only through experience. And those right. games were what they made them stronger and, and better. So to me, they learned the lesson to do what they did two years afterwards. And to be honest with you, it is, it is the same parallel to the girls and those girls who are in, in, in Rogue uh, that, you know, uh, that also are making that sacrifice, you know, the, the personal, the financial and yeah. the, uh, you know, um, life sacrifice because, you know, they train for seven days, a day, seven, seven days a week. You know what I mean? Some of them actually have jobs uh, at school, you know, uh, yeah. they have to scramble the money to actually compete uh, internationally uh, so they could be prepared. You know what I mean? So. You know, um, uh, at the end of the day, I I don't think there's that I don't think there's right or wrong here. I think yeah. everybody has a point, and um, I, I I I like to te I I tend to be on your point where, you know, I want to be always a better version of myself, even as a coach. You know, so I want the competition to be you know uh, stronger and higher. Mm -hmm. You know, because I want to be in that part. You know, um, of the um, of the spectrum. I don't want to be the cutting corner coach who just show up with a good team and, and beats everybody. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't want that either. In fact, I'm going to tell you one thing. This year we started with Rogue again and we had a hard, the, it was a hard beginning of the, of the, of the season. You know, mm -hmm. we learned, we learned something that we have not actually uh, learned before, which is, was losing games. Yeah. You know, we went to Calhidi and we lost some games. Actually, we didn't even get a medal. We, yeah. we were in, uh, I think, four or fifth. 
right? something like that. A while together though. We, we it was right after Pan American Games. Yeah. We we came back together because we wanted to put the the team out together mm -hmm. again and start competing the whole season. But then you know, uh, and we also brought some new players. You know, uh, uh, but but uh, we were in that curve where you know like we have reached uh, the peak. Yeah. And then we de-escalated and we needed to build again, uh, uh, you know, the the performance. And you guys probably uh, were, you know, picking, you know, yeah. it, it would have been it would have been easy for you guys to probably be won again nationals this year because you have already you have a summit or reaching cuspid. And we were kind of like going back up, up again in, in, in the in the process. So. You know, uh, well, um, let's let's hope we have another chance soon to to get both of our teams compete, yeah. whatever level that is. Uh, but it would be fantastic. Now, before I, I ask you some trivial questions, uh, where do you think USA Team Handball should invest more of their resources? And I'm talking about financial resources in clubs or national teams. And just think I, about I, they don't have much resources. First of all, I know that, but what should be prioritized? Let's use let's use a uh, um, let's call this country Narnia. Narnia is a, uh, <laughs> a develop is is a developed uh, humble country, and Narnia has a four hundred thousand uh, pool of humble players, and they have four leagues, each one of them with with twenty with twenty teams. Um, those four hundred players of the national team they come from the club level, okay. So I, I, I think the, uh, the, residency pro, the residency experiment um, um, of having players devoted to play handball, you mm -hmm. know, and, and, and trying to build a team from, uh, from, uh, from that type of environment, laboratory, I call it, mm -hmm. um, the number of those programs around the world are, are slim. I think Cuba is one of them, uh, but it, but still Cuba has a competition um, system that allow the coaches to get who the best players are, and then they take into residency players, uh, um, you know, uh, places. So Netherlands had it, has it. So it's not a fail uh, uh, project. Um, I just came from Hungary, where I went to the National Academy as well. They have that type of uh, environment as well. But at the end of the day, the material, the machinery, the, the, the instruments that those academies and those national teams use, they come from the, uh, from the club system uh, or for those schools uh, uh, that, that develop the players so they can be part of the national team. Yeah. I think there has to be a parallel process, okay? Uh, the problem is, and, and the way I see it is it, it, the resources for the clubs cannot be for the, the already developed players. I think we need to give money to the clubs so that those who are developed can help uh, bring some players uh, into the system. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I think that's where the finances uh, should come. Uh, if uh, along the process, some of those players that have come from other countries become national, uh, become uh, citizens or national team players, you know, I think that should be incorporated. At the end of the day, uh, we are all Americans. Uh, but I think if you ask me if I have $2 billion right now to give away, I will give money um, um, based on, on that, you know, yeah. what, what is each club doing in terms of helping us you know, uh, compete international because 
at the end of the day, because we don't have a, 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 a at the end of the day, and I always use the, uh, I always use the, uh, the analogy of being a musician, right? You know, we can play, 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 practice, 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 but you still want to have a gig. You still want to go and play the gig and, and make money, right? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, what's the whole point of having a band and practice, uh, uh, you know, four days a week if on Saturday I'm not going to go and make money, yeah, you know what I mean? And, and that's the way I see it. We still need the players to make money for us because unfortunately with results will come the money. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, I think that whatever resources that we have, uh, the clubs need to get a little piece of it. Yeah. Uh, but but the, because the clubs are the one who keep the, uh, the, uh, the sport alive. Yeah. You know, the clubs are the, uh, the, the, the watch, the, the, the people who go to clubs to see the bands, you know? I think it's a very, like you said, it's, it's very simple uh, thinking. Very simple thinking, and European clubs do it, federations, support clubs, and yes, you can have uh, levels of, of uh, uh, rewards based on the success of a club. And hey, and I was talking to you uh, earlier the other day with uh, Danilo as well, and uh, what, he's, what we were talking about it is, look, I shouldn't be competing in the elite if I don't have a youth team to compete in the uh, youth championship in the US. And if I, if I do bring the youth team, here you go, $10,000 from the Federation to keep paying for the coaches to teach those uh, kids. Very simple. And there will be that grassroots program in every club that is serious. Those who are not serious, they want to joke around with eight people coming playing, fine. There is a recreational aspect to it, and you can do it, and there is, do it. But if we want to be serious, that comes with it. You want money from Federation? You got to do this, and that is youth team. You don't do the youth team? you cannot compete in the elite. Yeah. So it's, it's, as, it's, as, it's as simple as that. It's, it's like, it's as simple as, as uh, uh, and you know what? Uh, I will, I will, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if the first nationals, uh, the elite is only four teams because half of it will quit because they don't want to do it. Exactly. But we will, but those four who quit, they realize that they are, they belong to the elite the, the division and what's going to happen is, you know, that they will embrace it and they will do it. Because I think that has been always the fear. The fear has been, oh, well, if we, if it's a quid pro quo type of thing with the club, then the clubs are going to disappear because they're not going to put the job. The, I don't the work. think so. If, if you I, give the club $10,000 to hire a coach to find, recruit, and coach during the year, a youth team, that's all we need. I, let's, I'm putting in $10,000, but have a coach who will be paid through the year to go twice a week to a school or whatever program. You all you need, let's say one man's and one women's team. So let's say $20,000. That's not a lot of money to pay a coach who would be dedicated to have those youth teams and deal with both and also can deal with the, the um, adult ones too. That's, that's how you start paying coaches and improving the quality. But otherwise... And, and, and if it's not even... And let's say that if you don't have the money for the coaches, at least give us a kickoff to rent the gym. I remember when I started, when I became a coach, it was like that, the futures programs. Yeah. You know, they gave us a kickoff. We went, ran the gym. My dad and I went and recruited. We started the uh, uh, LA team and yeah. we competed in, uh, uh, and then with the same recruit, with the same fees that we were uh, uh, charging the, uh, the players, we got a little bit to, to cover the stipend of the goalies coach and you know what I mean? But at least there has to be some type of, incentive but going back to your question i I agree with you we need to um do something like that you know very simple though very simple okay quick quick trivial question because we end because we we're definitely went over our hour but 
Who are your three favorite handball coaches of all time? Wow, you kill me right there. <laughs> uh, uh, Cesar, one. Cesar Argiles, okay. number one, Cesar Argiles. Okay, Spanish national team. Yeah. Uh, for for me, was a revolutionary. I I, I think the way of um, um, the he actually you know saw the game, uh, the the forcing the mistake rather to avoid the contact or the the very dissuasive you know uh, open defenses, the flexibility of the six zero you know defense that he created with Spain, uh, the uh, evolution of the, the uh, uh, defense specialist. Um, I mean, for me, Cesar Argiles uh, is one of, um, I would say, top. Can I say five? <laughs> no, three? no, only three. You can, you can go that far. Three is good enough. Tor Hagerson. Tor Hagerson I mean, it's okay. my hero. I mean, I, I basically, I idolize that guy. I think I have a picture of Steve Harris from Iron Maiden and one from him in my, <laughs> in my, in my room. Okay. Um, Tor Hagerson um, in... Um, and then I, I'm gonna go with uh, one uh, local coach, um, Camilo Steves. I, I, he's a coach from Puerto Rico. Uh, I, I learn a lot from him. I'm not saying that I, Is I didn't learn a lot. He's a, for the women's national team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't think I, I, it will be unfair not to mention Christian too, you know, because he have helped me a lot. But uh, for me, uh, you know, Cesar Giles, you know, and Tor Hagerson and um, uh, Camilo have been the most influential. I will say the most influential coaches in my yeah. career. I think that's, that's a better way to phrase it. Not your favorite, but the most influential to you. So right. uh, do you prefer to coach men's or ladies teams more? Um, it's, another, it's another interesting question. I, I think women are, um, it's, it's a two different way of uh, philosophical approach to do it. I think I enjoy them both. Um, um, I will say that because I've, I have established my career with women, um, I, at this point, I will probably say that I, I did actually, um, enjoy more coaching women. Um, but men's are getting, you know, are also building a place in my heart. <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> so if, if you had make your favorite world all, all time, first team ever. Ah, uh, okay. Um, Oh, this is a really good one. Um, I'm gonna start with the the, the goalies, okay? Yeah. Uh, only the first Starvik. seven. Yeah, Starvik. Only the first seven. Starvik will be the uh, my starting goalie, even though that I I have Vladimir Diaz from Cuba, that who, uh, the one who died, he used to play in in, in Spain. Uh, but Starvik will be um, um, my number one, and uh, uh, Omeyer will be the second goalie. On the uh, left wing, I have Rafa, Ra, Rafael Guijosa from Spain. Rafa Guijosa. Okay. Uh, right wing, uh, Luca Balog. I mean, there's no, no questions. Uh, center back will be uh, Wieslander. Um, um, right back, Laszlo Nagy. Left back, Julio, Julio Fis. And the pivot will be Rolando Rios. Who did you say left back? Uh, Laszlo Nagy. No, left back, left back. Oh, uh, Julio Fis. Julio Fis. Who's Julio Fis? He was uh, the hammer. He played for Kiel. Ah, okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, that was a long time ago. 2000, 2000, 2001. You know, played for Ciudad Real. Was champion with uh, Ciudad Real as well. You oh, know, no. I, I, could, I could also say Juan Carlos Perez, the, the left back from 
from um, best friend that play for uh, yeah. for a Hungary national team as well. I mean, there's so many. I mean, uh, yeah. oh my God, Matt Olson, Robert. Oh, no, you you made, uh, you made you made your seven. You cannot bring others. You're done. <laughs> can I hear that? That's that's the <laughs> that's, that's the men that's the men's the men's team. You yeah. know, the, <laughs> the women's team. Uh, so, and who's the best player in the world for you right now? Best player in the world for me right now. Uh, I will have to say Nikola Karabatic. Uh, Luka, uh, Nikola Karabatic. I mean, uh, guy is, uh, he def it, it's, you know, all the dimensions. You know, when you think about a, a, a humble player with, with the, the plateau of the elite, you know, uh, the, the multi, uh, uh, the, what I look is, the word I use normally is multi-dimensions. You know, like he can assist, he can defend, he can retreat, he can counterattack. He can uh, create a one-to-one -one situation. Yeah. He can be part of a, 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 a offensive and defensive system. He's a leader. He walks the talks. I mean, uh, he has the right anthropometrics, the right body build, the right yeah. uh, psychological preparation, the right physical preparation. I, I mean, I, the guy is a beast. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, today. Yeah. If I need to go to war, I will say, give me Nikola Karavatic, and then from there I. I I'll, I'll start picking up other players. <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely the right choice. Absolutely, there's no one like him right now, except that the Sargosian is slow. Sigerson. Yeah, he is slowly becoming like that, and he is what twelve years younger. So, I mean, he has all the potential. Starting with the body physique, with the ability to think clearly, to be a danger in attack, he's learning how to play defense better. Uh, and, and plus, I mean, he's 21 or 22. It's like, I just can't believe it. Yeah. No. So, I, I mean, I still uh, believe that Karavatic because he's a little bit taller. I mean, if we're going to use a, a tie, I mean, you know, like, we're going to be like, like anal about it. I think the topometrics of Karavatic are probably better. Oh, yeah. You know, he's faster, you know. Uh, I, I mean, uh, it's yeah. like comparing uh, uh, Branyas with Talandu Chivayev, you know, it's like. Um, give me both. You yeah, know what at I mean? the same time. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, one more question. Will you, if you had to choose to coach one men's club in U.S., which one would it be? New York. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. New York. I, I think I've mentioned this to you like many times. Yeah. It'll be New York. Not because we're talking about it. You know, uh, it will it'll have to be a serious team. I, I mean, at this point in my, in my career, if it's not a serious team, I don't want to do it. Well, it's like, you know, our contracts just run 75000 up. That's it. We don't pay less than $75,000 per coaches. So if that's good for you, it's good I, 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 I think I think it will warrant moving to Connecticut too. <laughs> <laughs> what, you're thinking about moving to Connecticut? No, no. no. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, uh, I'm pretty well established here uh, in L.A., um, um, and, and, and don't get me wrong, I, I mean, also have my connection with LA, but I, like I said, I already done everything for LA. You know, I'll, I'll ha it'll have to be a, 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 an entire, you know, uh, revamping of the program. But uh, um, New York would probably be the, uh, the, the only club that I will. And not only just because of what you guys do here, but also because of the, the projection. You know, you guys like to go and compete internationally and all these things that I, that once you taste that, you really want to, you want to continue chasing that dragon. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. I mean, our Super Globe experience and our partnership with Montpellier, I actually posted something about 
uh, that practice we had when we practiced with Montpellier first team. And I completely forgot about that. And I saw the video today and it's almost a year since we went and we're playing against Richardson and we're playing against Valentin Port and all these guys that just watching the practice, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe we did this. So it's like, it's just that experience of being uh, in front of those guys that make it look so easy and so fluently. It's, I miss that. And I really, I want one day for us in the country to have that kind of quality of, of handball that people enjoy playing that way, not play one good game and then three crappy ones. I went, I, I think it was in 2000, yeah, 2017 in December, we went to, we played PSG, the women's uh, team at PSG. And right uh, after the game, uh, PSG came out actually in practice. And, um, and, and I, 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 I was actually looking at the practice and, I, and I'm like, everybody quiet. I want everybody quiet. Just listen to this. They were passing the ball and you wouldn't, you wouldn't hear that. Yeah. It was just like, yeah. it was so fantastic. And I'm talking about like, you know, yeah. the Karabatish, Mikkel Hansen, you know, the whole nine yard. And it was just like, wow, yeah. it's just crazy. It's, but, it's, um, it's really fun to watch them do what they do. So we'll see where we go with this, bro. I, 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 uh, I'm, I mean, I, 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 I wanna I wanna finish my career, you know, um, my professional career in general with with the handball. So I'm, um, I wouldn't be surprised if you know I make a move um, yeah. sooner than later. But uh, right now, because of the the age of my children, because of my wife, and, and uh, this is not the time. But I, I I think I have like a good twenty years ahead of me to continue doing this. Plenty, plenty of time and, and all the passion and love for the game, which is yeah, all, yeah. all you need. So, yeah. Julio, thank you so much. It was a lot of fun. To, no, likewise, uh, man. And I really hope we can see each other very soon, as soon as this ends, or whatever competition that is. Uh, but I, um, I'm very, very happy that you joined, and I'm thankful. Um, no, thank you for the invitation, man. Anytime. Just let me know. Yeah, if you have All anything right. else to add, let me know and we'll... No, 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 no. Thank you for the opportunity. I mean, uh, stay safe, guys. You know, we really want people with that, with the uh, the heart in the right place to be around longer than 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 ever. So, stay safe. Be careful out there. You know, my heart goes out to all of you guys. I know that it's being hard over there. Thank you, Julio. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it, my friend. All right. Take See care. Good night. Bye bye.